the privilege of finishing up the Awkward Family series. you got to imagine we weren't going to finish this series up without getting to parenting. So we are going to talk about parenting this week. So important. I mean, every parent, you intuitively understand out of the gates the great responsibility, how important this is, and how scary this is. I mean, how scary is parenting? I mean, you always have that fear. What if I mess my kids up and they turn against me? You know? <laughs> Sleep with one eye open. You've got to mess them up and they turn their backs on you. That is so creepy. Take that down. I can't look at that. But all of us intuitively know that. I mean, this important job that we have as parents. But yet the fear, am I doing this right? Do I know what I'm doing? So me parenting, it's like when I got my last neck surgery. That's what it reminded me of, the surgeon performing surgery on my neck. So I've actually had three surgeries on my neck. I've had two here and then one in the back. I really debated to get to see if I can get the surgeon to, like, connect all the scars so I could have one continuous one around. I feel like that would mess with people. Like, I think that guy was decapitated. <laughs> so my third surgery on my neck, I go in. You know, and the doctor comes up. Hey, you know, nice to meet you. I'm the surgeon. And he introduced me. And here's the guy who's going to be learning surgery on your neck. <sighs> How far along in med school is this guy? You know, like, can't you, like, don't you guys learn on pigs? Like, why you got to learn on my neck? And so he goes on, and he, I'm awake this whole time. So I wasn't under. And I could tell you some exact quotes. So I'm laying down in this table. They got, like, that chiropractic, like, head pillow. And I hear the surgeon the whole time, and I distinctly remember him saying, see, you're not doing it right. See how his skin's all messed up? And I'm like, well, time out, time out, time out. And this surgeon, the nurse would later tell me that none of the residents, you know, none of the people in med school loved being under this guy because he was so intense. She would later tell me, as he's doing surgery on my neck, she could see his hand shaking. (laughs) An inch from my jugular, his hand is shaking. And that's kind of how I feel parenting. I'm like going in, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I feel like if I mess up, the air could be fatal. Like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but it feels real important. Oh my gosh. Isn't that how we feel as parents? Like, I know this is important. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, but I know the mistakes and the stakes are so high. So hopefully, you know, we can turn to God's word to guide us in there. And look, it's not a bunch of how-to's. It's not a do this and create perfect kids. I don't have that for you, but I do have some principles that I think we can glean. And here's my hope coming out of this time as parents or people desiring to be parents, that you would know your purpose as a parent, that you would make a plan to execute that purpose, and that you would align your priorities. That's the hope. Do you as a parent know your purpose? Do you have a plan for that? And your priorities match that. That's where we're going. So right now, ask yourself that question. You as a parent, what is your purpose? If you don't have a clear answer to that in your head of knowing, here's what my job is. Here is my purpose as a parent. 
you're just going to default to the culture around you. And it is hard. I mean, it is difficult. Most of them are going to say, you know, what is your purpose as a parent? You're like, survive? You know, get to the end of the day like bedtime. That's my purpose. Bedtime. <laughs> and you're just barely trying to, I mean, it's crazy. Molly left me alone with the kids the other day, mistake number one. I mean, I'm just trying to survive. Like, I just took them, let's go get donuts, and I come home and, like, making pancakes. It wasn't breakfast. I mean, that's all I could do. I'm like, donuts will shut them up. Like, I, I know how to make pancakes and make that quick, and then we watch TV till mom got home. Like, we're just trying to survive. But we're fr it's frantic, isn't it? So parents in the room, what parent is tired? It's exhausting. I heard this great quote from Stephen Covey. I mean, we are just frantically trying to climb the ladder. We're frantically trying to get through every day, but we don't stop to ask, is our ladder leaned against the right wall? We're frantic with activity. We're busy, but we never stop to ask, what is the purpose of this? Are we doing the right things? If you don't have a purpose, you will default to the culture around you. If we were to survey parents, I'm sure in our culture, in our neighborhood, it'd be pretty consistent. What is the goal? Oh, mom, I just want my kids to be healthy. I want my kids to be happy. The only problem is, if you open God's word, that's not in there. We don't question that. My goal is to make my kids happy. I need to make them healthy, keep them safe, and make them happy. And we pour so much into that, and we never question, is that right? Is that the end goal? And we define it so superficially. And that means just give them everything. Give them everything they want. So that's what we do. You question, is that right? To just give a child everything that they want. We're creating monsters. Like we wonder now in our society, what's going the way is we've created entitled little monsters because we never stop to ask ourselves, okay, what's the purpose of parenting? We talked about priorities. Your priorities, well, if you don't have a defined purpose, your priorities, your wallet, your budget, and your calendar will tell me what your priorities are. Look at the world around us. Pretty clear. The purpose is to get my kids into a good college. And along the way, have them be popular. So get them good at a sport and hopefully maybe good at an instrument as well. Is that the end goal? When we open God's word, do you hear anything about making sure you get my kids in a good college and make sure they're good at a sport so they're popular in high school? Tell me that is not how you spend most of the time, money, and energy getting your kids into a good college, their education, making them and keep them nice and safe, giving them what they want, and then sports and some extracurricular. Whatever once, stopping to ask, is that indeed the purpose? And it sounds noble. I want to give my kids the world. Here's a haunting question from Mark 8. What does it profit your kid if they gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? We spend all of our time and energy focusing on making the next 30 to 60 years of our kids' lives comfortable and just forgetting the next 3,000 and eternity beyond that. That was a southern amen. You hear that? Amen. That wasn't amen. That was amen. <laughs> that was awesome. I totally lost my train of thought. Come on now. <laughs> but again, think about it. How crazy is that? We spend so much energy so our kids can be successful for the next 30 years. And we forget about the soul and the heart of your child and their eternity. 
What is God's plan? What does God reveal is his purpose in parenting? I want to turn to God's word for this. I'm going to go through three passages. Watch how much they line up and how much unity there is in pointing us to the purpose in parenting. Let's go to Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians 2, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. What is a father, what is a parent to do? Exhort his kids, encourage them, and charge them to walk in a manner worthy of God. What does Ephesians tell us? Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but what? But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Instruct them, discipline them in the Lord. One more passage I want to hit on right now, and it's Hebrews. Hebrews 12, picking up in verse 9. We have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for what? For our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. To train your kid in righteousness. I mean, as you look at all those things, it becomes very clear. Yes, you should provide for your kids, but your primary responsibility isn't to be a provider. Yes, you should encourage your kids, but your primary role isn't to be a cheerleader. Your purpose in parenting is to disciple your kids. That is your job, to be your kid's teacher and discipler in the Lord. Your kid, our kids are wondering, who is God? How does God feel about me? And how can I know him? What's my purpose? It's your job to teach them that. But yet we spend so much time invested just in their education, in their happiness, in their entertainment. It's not my job to entertain my kids. It's to disciple them. Are you embracing your role as your kid's primary discipler? It's not to raise perfect kids that get into good colleges. It's to point your kids to the perfect Savior so they know him. To fight for the heart and soul of your kid. That is your job. Will you embrace your job as a parent and a discipler? That is what you should do. And it's not easy. Even that Hebrew said, it's painful. It's hard now. But yet you have the choice. Do I embrace some of the pain and difficulty now for peace later? Or take the easy route and opt for peace now, give kids whatever they want, and cause them pain later? Will you embrace that role? That is your purpose. But from there, you need to make a plan. It's easy enough to say that. It's easy enough to say, yeah, that's my purpose, but what is your plan? So uh, your kid's education, you have a plan for that? I bet you do. They're going to go to this school. They're gonna, we moved here so that they can have this and this tutor and this education. Sports, well, okay, they're going to go on this coach. They're going on this team. You have a plan for all those things, but yet the most important thing, you know, your kid's spiritual development you need to have a plan for that. And look, I don't have a bunch of how-tos to give you. You know, there's some tricks you could learn along the way. I'm not saying be dumb. Like, there's some tricks you can use. There's a mom texting her kid. I'm going away for the weekend. I've hidden $100 in your room for food. Clean your room and you'll find it. 
You know, like, help me help you. Like, you can learn along the way. But any book that just gives you all these tricks, even today, what I'm going to tell you doesn't guarantee to just crank out perfect kids. But there are some things that you can glean. And as you make a plan, let me tell you what a bad plan is. See, most people, and we talked about that, you know, their intellectual, emotional, physical development, you do that. And then some of you think, well, that's why I'm here. My plan is the church teaches them all the church stuff and the spiritual stuff. Let me be very clear. That is a bad plan. And let me be very clear, that plan won't work. I can prove that to you statistically. Kids that were brought to church, falling away from the church in droves. You just getting your kids here, albeit a wonderful step, do not let that be kind of your whole plan. You get them to church. The only problem with that plan is none of those verses mention the church. All those verses were to you as parents. It is your job to teach them and instruct them in the ways of the Lord. So don't think that you could just, well, yeah, that's why I bring them to church. Our job, don't outsource that to us. Our job is to resource you. So as you say, make a plan, I know as a parent, I mean, that wigged me out. I didn't know what to do. We help you with that. So it just so happens that it's the first Sunday of the month. It's almost like God has a plan for this. It's crazy. So the first Sunday of the month, guess what? If you have a kid in kid zone, you're going to be handed a packet like this. You're like, I don't know what to do. I don't have a plan. Look, this is exactly what your kids studied this week. Take a couple times this week, maybe at dinner, maybe at bedtime, walk through this sheet. You know, today at dinner, ask them, hey, what'd you learn at church? And then tomorrow or maybe the day after, you know, have them read the passage again and then it tells them how that connects to Christ. Do that. And then maybe the next day you go through the questions and help them understand what they learned. It's crazy to think that we're gonna do that for you. It is your job. We have... You know, on average, your kids for 40 hours a year. So you think that for 40 hours a year, we're going to set them up for an eternity while you have them all week, and then you just focus on the next 30 to 60 years. It doesn't make sense. But here's something. Take this. Do that. If you go on our website, it, maybe you have kids above kids zone. On our website, redemptionchapel.com, under resources, we have an entire page, parenting resources. Go there. Read a book. Make a plan. But as you're making that plan, you know, I hope coming out of this, every spouse gets together and talks, hey, what is our plan? Maybe you don't have a spouse and you're in this, you know, God bless you, you know, alone, but you still need to make a plan to disciple your kids. But I want to let you know three tools to have in your toolbox. One, the Bible. This was cool as I was studying the passages and they all kind of lined up what a parent's job was. But the words in there used for training, they were very rare words that Paul chose. They actually only appeared three times in the New Testament, this word for training and discipline, about parenting and about the Bible. All scripture is breathed out by God, useful for training and righteousness. So hear this, the very purpose of parenting is exactly the purpose of God's word in the Bible. If you want to achieve your purpose in parenting, then your kids need to understand and know God's word. So this comes out of a, more research from the curriculum that we actually use. 
And this, one of the things that they found out, this is engaging kids in a lifetime of faith. And this was just research to figure out, okay, what gets kids to stick? You want to know what the number one factor is to have a kid to walk with the faith for a lifetime? Getting in the Word. A kid exposed to the Word, that knew the Word, that was in the Word. If you, as a parent, want to do your job, that means helping your kid be exposed to God's Word, to know what it is, and to be in God's Word. Very, again, the words that they use, the purpose for parenting is the purpose of God's Word. We need to bring those together. Expose your kids to the Bible. Again, the next one's huge. I'm sure you saw it in all the passages, particularly in Hebrews, discipline. You need to figure out as a plan. This is one of the hard things as parents is discipline. You need to figure this out. And again, this isn't to punish. So many of us, I'm so afraid, I want my kids to like me, that if, they, if I discipline them, they're going to hate me. What did the passage in Hebrews tell you? You know, our fathers that disciplined us and we respected them for it. Your kids will respect you for this in the long run. And Hebrews says, you know, later will produce that. So don't get me wrong. Don't set your expectations too wrong. Like, I've never, like, disciplined my kid. And they're like, I just respect you so much for that. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. You're the best. Like, okay, maybe not in the moment, but it will produce that. And you think, I don't want them to dislike me. Proverbs says, he who doesn't discipline his kid hates him. He who loves his kid disciplines him. It is a loving thing to do to discipline your kids. And again, you're not punishing them. This isn't about, you know, they mess up and now you're going to make them pay. Punishment is past. Parenting is about correcting, training. So discipline is future. It's about correcting them, under, helping them understand. Discipline is simply one of your tools to help your kids understand the gospel. If you're one of those parents that you just want to be your kid's, you know, encourager and support and you don't correct them, you know how hard it's going to be for them to understand how to walk with God? What is the gospel? That's I'm a sinner, I fall short. And you need to help them see that. So in your home, you need to have clear expectations of behavior. You need to have clearly defined consequences. If you do not, you know, meet this behavior... Here is the consequences. And whenever they do not meet that behavior, you give them those consequences. And then you reconcile with them. You teach them repentance and grace. Isn't that the gospel? That's your tool for discipline to show them. Yes, you fall short. I had a pastor one time, his daughter, you know, she cheated on a test and then lied about it. And again, we just want to encourage our kids and not make them feel bad. But then the daughter came home, and this pastor was committed to discipling their kids in the gospel. I said, Dad, I don't know why I did it. I was so scared. And he said, well, sweetie, you did that because you're a liar and a cheat. <laughs> That's the truth. To disciple our kids, we need to give them truth. They need to understand, well, yes, you fall short, so does Daddy. But we have a God who doesn't laugh at sin. And so you discipline them, but then at the end, you teach them. And every time we discipline our kids, we don't end with that, like the consequence is over, let them go. You know, I get down with them, and I've been saying, do you understand what you did? Do you understand why daddy had to do that? 
You know, are you repentant? Will you, you know, seek repentance? And when they do, I forgive them. Every discipline should end with an embrace, a model of the gospel. You must discipline your kids. But here's the warning. It's in Ephesians. It's also in Colossians. So you need to make sure you discipline your kids. But be careful that you do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, yes, a kid can disrespect you if you don't, you know, use proper discipline. If you become abusive, of course. Let me warn you of three ways, I think, that we can discourage our kids with our discipline. Not enough rules, too many rules, inconsistent rules. And let's just, can we all just assume none of us do this perfect and like maybe take a step in the right direction as opposed to condemning each other? So not enough rules. I would tell you straight up, I so bad wanted to use a Talladega Nights clip. You have no idea how hard it is like every week for me not to use a Talladega Nights clip for this, but then it turns out there's like more cussing in the clip than I remembered, so not going to do that. But this is, do you remember, I mean, the kids are just wild. And then the scene where they institute granny law. So granny takes over and institutes granny law. If you remember, the kids are just running, yelling, anarchy! And the kid, you know, the one brother's like spraying the neighbor through the window with a hose, like, I don't know, but I love it! (laughs) And then granny law comes in. And I love that quote. The kid just looks at her and goes, you're going to break us like wild horses, aren't you? Some of you have not enough rules in your home and you got wild horses running around. It is anarchy and you think you're doing the kids a favor or we're just lazy not to discipline. Look, that will lead your kid to be discouraged. This was helpful to me. Get this. You think, oh, I'm just trying to help them, you know, in their gifts. I don't want to discipline them. Somebody's going to discipline your kids. It's either going to be a boss later. It's either going to be the police later. It's coming. So do you decide, are you going to let them lead toward that long-term pain and discouragement, or are you going to give that to them? All right, that's what you need to do, or too many rules. You know, some of you raised in that house where it was all about control, it was all about the rules. It wasn't about being, teaching your kids how to obey God by obeying you. It was all about obeying you. And it isn't, these aren't biblical rules. I mean, it's all about just pleasing, you know, your kids pleasing you. Think of how that can discourage our kids. And then inconsistent rules. You ever do that? You get mad that your kids don't obey and do what you want to do, but you only kind of punish them half the time for it? Maybe you were raised in one of those homes where you didn't know it was going to set your parents off. Something would one day and not the other. Clear expectations of what you expect for your kids and then consistent giving them the consequences of that. Otherwise, if it's inconsistent, how discouraging that's going to be for your kids when they don't know, you know, can I do this or not? Can I get out of bed here or then or not? I mean, you have to be consistent. The interesting thing is when we don't do these well, some of the research that bears out. This was research from kind of, I think it was thousands of kids. You see the two scales there. One is love, kind of that vertical access, and then discipline and control, that horizontal access. And again, nobody's perfect, You know, you're somewhere dot on there. But the thing that was interesting is how kids turned out. You know, neglectful parents, kind of that bottom left-hand, you know, square. I mean, that obviously produces a whole load of issues. If you had a parent that's completely uninvolved, no discipline, doesn't care, maybe goes off the handle every once in a while. Hopefully that's not you. But the upper left-hand, the permissive parent, 
This is one that is just so focused on the relationship and love and being their friend and not enough focused on rules. Those kids generally came out very insecure and it eventually led to a dysfunctional relationship with their parents on some level. They didn't have the structure they needed to thrive. We were permissive. That's me. I'm more the permissive parent. Is anybody looking at that chart realizing how like you and your spouse are on opposite ends of the spectrum? Isn't it funny how God does that? That's a good thing. It helps you become better parents. Look at your spouse right now and say thank you. Seriously, tell them thank you. Yeah, God's helping you. Now the bottom right, authoritarian. These are parents that were too focused on rules and it was all about rules and obeying them. These kids quite predictably rebelled. You know, they, as soon as they got out of the house, that they would go off and rebel, and it led to a break in relationship. Where are you on that chart? See, that Thessalonians, remember the verse, it said, exhort, encourage, but yet, you know, instruct them in the Lord and discipline. You know, where do you need to move to bring both of those important elements together? The last thing that I want to point you to in your toolbox is your life. Look, and I need to say this quickly. If you want your kids to turn out right, you think so much about getting them in the right schools and all these things. The biggest indicator for me that I've seen in student ministries as I've watched kids in all different families grow up is were their parents the real deal? Did they really believe it and walk with Jesus? We've all said it. More is caught than taught. Your kids are far more likely to follow your example than your advice. If you want your kids to walk in this way, to be passionate about Christ, then be passionate about Jesus. This is where you start. I love those homes that I get to hear about is, yeah, my parents taught me the Bible, but I remember every day when I woke up, I'd go downstairs and that Bible was open on the kitchen table. They knew that dad and mom loved the word and the kids picked up on that. Your life must be a powerful tool to help your kids be discipled. So make a plan when, you know, what is your plan to execute your purpose? But then you need to align your priorities with that. If you agree with that, does that line up with your life? Look, I'm not opposed to sports. That could be a huge discipleship. But instead of, you know, your kid being in 37 sports, like maybe you put him in one. Instead of like your kid learning the violin, oboe, and piano, like just pick piano. It's like the basic instrument. Again, all those things you can use for discipleship. But when I say, you know, do these things in church, and your schedule is packed out, leaving no room to disciple your kids in the spiritual realm, you may need to change your priorities for your family, but also for yourself. You know, mom and dad, listen up. This is a scary thought that I've seen true over and over. As your parent, as parents, the first and most foundational picture of who God is and how he feels about us comes from our parents. Do you know how many times I've talked to somebody, tell me about your view of God. Well, I feel like he's disappointed with me. I'm never good enough. Well, tell me about your relationship with your parents. I feel like they're disappointed in me and I'm not good enough. You, as parents, are shaping your kids' view of God. As their parents, as a mother and father, that is where they first begin to understand who the heavenly father is. So you need to get your priorities straight. 
So parents, every parent that's a kid at home underneath your chair is one of these. Many of you have never seen this and it's outdated, so let me explain what it is. This is a time card. So when I was raised, when you'd go to a job, you had a time card. You know, I had in and out and you go to the machine and like, you know, stamp it. I don't remember if that was the noise, but it felt anticlimactic not to do a noise when I did that. Here's the problem. So many of us are just asleep on the job. You know, my job is to provide for them financially, physically, you know, to help them intellectually, help them with school, and after that, we're clocking out. That is when your primary job is starting. So I want you to take this with you if you have a kid at home. And I want you to put this somewhere when you see this, when you walk in the door. So that you know when you go home, you're clocking in. We have this backward. You see that in and out? You're exhausted from work. You go home and you clock out. And then it's you time where you finally get to relax. You spend your whole day trying to chase money and trying to impress people that will get over you, that will, you know, replace you in a second if you weren't in their life. And then you check out for your primary role as a discipler of your kids. You need to start checking in. You need to change your priorities that the spiritual development along with the intellectual, the physical, all those things is now my primary role. Take this with you. Remind yourself that when you go home, it's not when you clock out. It's when you clock in. If I die tomorrow, sometime, like a week later, you're just going to be getting resumes and applications for my job. You guys will replace me as you should. I'm sure there'd be nice service. Like, Gary, if you could write me a nice song, that'd be sweet, you know. (laughs) But you would move on. If I die tomorrow, my kids don't go looking for application except in resumes for another dad. The one role where I'm irreplaceable, where nobody else can do that job to me, is the one I clock out for. How crazy is that? My job, where I could be replaced, a million other people could do this job. I give all my energy to this. And then the one job where I, and only I could fill that, I clock out for. That's crazy. Clock in. Go home. Yo, you, this is a job. And yes, maybe your job is a calling to you. I get that. But your God-ordained job and calling as a parent, don't clock out for that one clock in. Take this with you. Remind yourself of that. And the last thing I want to remind you of, the last thing in your toolbox. Look, the scariest part of parenting for me is you could do everything I said and it doesn't guarantee your kids will walk with the Lord. It doesn't. That is our calling. You want to give them the best shot. You want them to know the gospel, know and give them an example of what it is to follow Jesus. So one of, we went to some of our parents that we really respect you know all of their kids turned out so great well one of them you know we're not sure i'm just kidding all their kids turned out awesome we say what's your secret come on tell me how how do you get kids to turn out like that she looked at her spouse she looked back at us and i know she meant it she said long nights of praying prayer in your plan to fight for the heart and soul of your kids are you praying for them Are you praying weekly, daily, not just so they get good grades, but for their soul? 
I want to end with one story. And this is especially for those who are sitting there and your kids are already out of the house and maybe you feel like you totally blew it. Call your kids, tell them that. That's another thing in your toolbox, just confessing and repenting, but your job isn't over. It's a story of a devout woman. Loved the Lord, but her husband did not. Many ways, wasn't a widow, but was a spiritual widow and tried to get her kids church, tried to teach them. And the kid had some semblance of religion growing up, then goes off to college and completely walks away from the faith. I'm sure some of you have people to put to mind with this. You've heard this story before, but this is a true story of somebody who walked away from the faith and it broke this mother's heart. But this mom knew her job wasn't over. Later, her son would say that daily, she just had a flood of tears on behalf of her son coming before the Lord, praying for his heart and his soul. She went to a minister to beg him, like, you gotta go talk to my son, get him back to the Lord, get him back to church. And she prayed, and then the guy finally was annoyed with her and said, listen, get away from me. Look, there's no way that whatever son of all those tears, that that kid's gonna perish. You probably know somebody like this. You know who this is the story of? This is Augustine. This is the story of one of the most influential men throughout all of Christianity. You know why we have his writings? You know why we have all the impact that he had? Because he had a mom that loved Jesus fiercely. And after years of on her knees praying, God, please bring my kid back home. God, please. After a flood of tears, God heard her prayers. And he came back to the Lord and had one of the most impactful lives lives in all of Christianity. Moms, dads, your job isn't to get your kids in college. Your job isn't just the next 30 to 50 to 60 years of your kid's life. It's to fight for their soul so they know who God is, that they know that they're loved by him, to serve him, to be used in his kingdom. That is your job. But in the end, you could do all the right things. But I would encourage you to pray for the heart and soul of your kids. Will you pray with me now? God, I want to be a good parent. God, I know everybody in this room who is a parent wants to be a good parent. Nobody wants to fail at this because the stakes are so high. And I'm not just talking about my kid's health. I'm talking about my kid's heart and their soul. And God, you have ordained us. You have chosen us as parents to be the ones to let our kids know that they are loved because they're loved by you. To let our kids know that there is a God that although that we mess up, that they mess up, that we'll forgive them. God, help us all. It is tiring. It is hard. But to embrace the difficulty, embrace the trials and the pain, embrace our purpose as parents to disciple our kids, to tell them about who you are. God, for every kid in this room that is represented by a parent, God, please, would you draw them home? 
God, that we would not enjoy them for this life. We would enjoy them for eternity with you. Thank you for Christ that makes all that possible. It's in his name we pray. Amen.